Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, folks. Um, how are you? Hope you've had a good week. Um, it's lovely and sunny outside. I hope you've been able to get out and inhale and exhale in this lovely weather that we've had. I think it's been pretty much everywhere. We went to the seaside last week for the first time in, I mean, forever. It felt like forever. And I could have cried just being stood by the sea for half a day. It was absolutely extraordinary. Anyway, um, that's enough about my personal life. Um, let's get on to um, the podcast, shall we? Uh, first of all, just thanks again. It's so, I love hearing from you guys about the show. Um, whether that's the latest episode that we've released or one of our previous 240 odd maybe you started right at the beginning or maybe you've just dipped into one that you I don't know for example Ben Wheatley's got a new film out he's been on the podcast three times so you might well have dipped into one of his episodes but I just love hearing from you and I love getting your feedback and I love hearing what you take away from each episode so thank you so 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 much um and also what's really nice is a couple of people have pointed out that they Love listening to the episode and then going on to the Spotify playlist and listening to all the tracks that are featured in their entirety. Because for us, that's what we really want to do. We want to shout about and celebrate all this amazing creativity. So as well as talking about, you know, someone's film, they may well talk about the music in it. They may well talk about someone else's music. So we want to give those artists the opportunity for the music to be heard in its entirety. So we put together a playlist for every show. Uh, so each show has its own playlist up on Spotify. If you search for Soundtracking with Edith Bowman, you'll find the playlist all up there. And yeah, just sit and listen and enjoy the most wonderful playlist. It's so much fun to sit and listen to it after you've listened to the uh, to the episode. So yeah, if you haven't already, please do go and do that and subscribe. But our guests on this week, our guests, I should say, on this week's soundtrack and are a couple of ladies eyeing success at the Academy Awards this coming Sunday. Uh, right now it is Friday afternoon and there is much talk of the Oscars this Sunday. By the time you listen to this, they may well have happened and Promise on Young Women may well have walked away with a flurry of Oscars. Fingers crossed. Emerald's Fennell and Katie Mulligan have combined to great effect on the former's directorial debut, Promise on Young Women, which she also wrote. Now, it is nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture, Director and Actor. Promising Young Woman tells the story of Cassie, a med school dropout seeking to avenge the death of her best friend, who was a victim of rape. By turns, extremely funny, dark and provocative. It also has a banging soundtrack and a fine score by Anthony Willis. Now, plenty more on all of that shortly. But first, exciting news about how you can experience Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds in a way that you never imagined. Now, I'm sure like me, you are pining for the day when we can congregate with friends, go and watch live music or go to the theatre or the cinema. And top of my list is Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds, the immersive experience, a brand new award-winning event that combines live actors, virtual reality and breathtaking 5D effects to transport you 
right to the heart of the action. Now, I grew up on War of the Worlds, so having the opportunity to hear Jeff's work whilst witnessing what it would be like to encounter a 300-foot Martian fighting machine sounds like the perfect night out for me and the family. True story, my father-in-law proudly displays his vinyl copy of Jeff's multi-platinum musical score in his living room. So I'm very excited to take him and my oldest, Rudy, along to see it. I know for some people there's some slight anxiety and nerves about returning to live events, but the experience is in a COVID-secure venue, all 22,000 square foot of it. And every ticket comes with a COVID booking guarantee, so you can buy up to six tickets with complete confidence. To find out more and to book tickets now for Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds, the immersive experience, just head to thewaroftheworldsimmersive.com. That's thewaroftheworldsimmersive.com and you can save up to £10 by using the code SOUND at checkout. And so, to the fabulous Emerald and Katie. And we'll begin with Anthony's opening cue from the movie, Him for Nina. today thanks how are you i'm all right thank you very much for asking um this is great because you get to talk about music and i know that music was such a big well i had to just kind of filtered through this whole process really would you say that's fair yes definitely for me it was <laughs> it's like it's the main thing so the first thing i do when i'm making anything is i make a playlist and then i listen to it for two years <laughs> that's <laughs> in my head and then finally when it's all done or at least it feels you know it's close to done then I write it down so the music is the kind of beginning of all of it for me what does the music provide you with what does it help you with you know is it the lyrics is it the melodies the emotion is it all of that stuff that kind of helps it you know fall onto the page sort of thing I really don't know actually <laughs> now that you've asked me that question I think anyone no idea it's partly because in order to do it you can't do anything else mm. I think usually it will be I'm, I'll be listening when I'm between places or I'm going for a walk so it's a time when I really have to focus and it's not so much a lyrical thing I think probably it is an emotional thing because you start to what happens after the millionth listen is you start to kind of each song will act as a sort of you, you it will be the kind of moment for a particular scene 
so when that song comes on you think okay well this is the one where I'm in the bedroom this is the one where I'm outside and the you know under the tree whatever it is and so that it's just kind of and often having stuff on shuffle means I don't know it just it's a kind of daydreaming age I guess and and then inevitably some things make their way into the script and then hopefully into the thing itself. It's, it's a lovely thing, I guess, with that journey where something that was very much the kind of birth of the whole story and the process to finally to then make it all that way into the film. Yeah, it's so nice. And it's so it's so, like, you know, obviously this film was very much on an independent budget, but we were so lucky to have the best people in the world, Sue Jacobs and Capitol Records, who, yeah, who just kind of got songs that I never thought we'd get. I mean, I think the Rodgers and Hammerstein estate letting us use the King and I's original recording of something wonderful. It was just huge because it's that stuff is so hard to get and, and it's so important when you've really... I'm pretty flexible in general, but there are a couple of moments in this film, Paris Hilton, Stars Blind, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't change. This is a man who thinks with his heart his heart is not always wise. This is a man who stumbles and falls, but this is a man who tries. This is a man you forgive and forgive and help and protect as We'll get into to that. I've got so many questions around that particular um, scene as well. But Kerry, I'm assuming that Emerald shared this playlist with you. Um, and at what point did she share the playlist? And how much did it help you? Well, tell me, did it help you understand Cassie and I guess maybe the tone of the film and, and anything else about the film? Yeah, uh, I think Emerald sent it to me maybe a day after I read the script. So. <laughs> Um, I read the script for the playlist and met Emerald two days later, in which time I'd listened to this playlist and was playing Boys Charlie XEX by that evening to my daughter in the bar. She <laughs> <laughs> just happened to hear it. She was like, you know, she's five. She was three then. She was like, play Boys again. <laughs> playlist just as a you know fan of kind of pop music and I was like I just loved it and it it did added so much context to the script you know the script was so specific and so brilliant um, and very funny but this added a whole other layer to it and it was just so witty and uh, so yeah I loved it and actually whenever I work I always make a playlist for do you yeah, so like what, whether it's a theatre thing or if it's a movie, I'll make a playlist of music and I often will attach some significant meaning to a couple of songs and 
I did for this song. There was a Vampire Weekend for this movie. There was a Vampire Weekend song that wasn't on Emerald's playlist, but when I added onto it, um, and it sort of you know, I so to actually have one given to me straight off the bat, you know, did it become became like a massive part of the whole thing. I was driving around LA with my windows and listening to Stars Fly. <laughs> But I think that that's the brilliant thing. The film is, is you know, I said to you guys last night, it's, it's a phenomenal film and I love how you've kind of got no idea where it's going. And I think the music really complements that as well in terms of it provides light relief or it just accentuates something or it, the, the music has so many purposes, I think, within the, the context of the film. And there's some very funny moments as well, like uh, in the cab with Spice Girls to Become One but it's so it's so clever, you know. It's like I just stuck up an Instagram live thing of a picture of like tr- Trump leaving the White House with Stone Roses Bye Bye Bad Man. And it's the way that kind of, you know, kind of music can say everything you want to say almost in a way. Yeah. And it can undercut things too. I mean, it, it's so important to everything, especially if you don't have very much time or money or all things when you're making your first thing, every single detail. Yeah, so much. And I think the thing about being in a ca- the back of a cab after a night in a club, when you're leaning outside of a cab, trying not to throw up, <laughs> you know, desperately kind of sipping the air. We've all been there. But, you know, <laughs> it's always, you know, if you're in England, it's Magic FM. And it's, Absolutely. You know, <laughs> air supply or whatever it is, it's something completely incongruous. Um, and so two become one is, again, one of my all-time faves. And it just felt... Yeah, it felt like a sort of delicious <laughs> to that whole conversation. And it really, it, yeah, it just felt so reminiscent of that kind of three and car journey. one where you're on your own and it's like either heart alone or all by myself it's oh. just kind of you know <laughs> I have tried to do hearts alone on karaoke and I have never learned that there's the key change in there that is not even remotely within any range I <laughs> I've ever had <laughs> I learned last night I can believe you had is it was it three weeks prep you had yeah that's insane and then 20 20 odd days shooting we had 23 days shoot. Wow. So when you have to clear a song like the Paris Hilton song, which is within the narrative and is a brilliant scene within the film in terms of this kind of connection between these two characters and, um, and, the, you know, and this kind of emotional dance that they're kind of doing funly in the shop, you have to clear that. You have to get that in there. Um, and having sort of three weeks to do it in, I imagine slightly, you know, squeaky bum time. I think that really, what really helped was that, again, Susan Jacobs, who's the music supervisor on this, she's just, she's probably the most famous music supervisor in the world. She's just one of those like iconic people. And most recently she did like things like the Big Little Lies soundtrack that just like was incredible. She's just really clever and really well-respected and lovely. And she's got a knack for getting the impossible. So... 
so the time she was just brilliant for that but but for Paris Hilton I you know I just wrote her a letter and it love was it. an honest letter saying I love this song there's just no other song that we'll do in this moment please 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 let us have it thank god she did because I can't I honestly can't I don't know what would have been there instead I, but it wouldn't have I just didn't think it is good yeah Did you know the song beforehand, Kerry? You know, because it's it's one of those songs that comes on the radio, you, go, you kind of instantly don't even realise that you know the words to it, but you find yourself singing along. But when, in the context of this film and having to perform it in the way, and I imagine you have to do it quite a few times with Bo. Yeah, you just kind of learning it, back to front, forward, back, all that kind of thing, and, and deciding how you will deliver it as well, you know, because it's... It's almost like watching a nature programme, you know, when you watch animals and they're almost kind of sort of flirting with each other a bit, you know, the little feathers go up and all that. It's a bit like that. It's really brilliant. But yeah, tell me about the song and kind of preparing for that particular scene. I did know it. I didn't know every single word. And I, as I said, I had been driving around LA with windows down playing it. Um, it was funny because on the day, I mean, Bo and I had only known each other for like, you know, it's our third day of filming together or something. And I had been quite kind of, gung her about it. I was like, come on, Bo. And he was like, oh, this is, you know, he was kind of really sort of grumpy about it. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's hilarious. Ha ha. And then we got in there and I immediately clammed up the first two takes. I just sort of stood there kind of glaring at him and Emerald <laughs> came over and I was like, I just don't actually, just, I just don't think Cassie would do it. I just think she's too cool. I think she just wouldn't. I think she'd just sort of, you know, disregard the whole thing. And Emerald was like, oh, come on, stop fighting the whole character. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, when people are in love, they do stupid things and, you know, act like idiots. And, you know, you have to enter into this with that spirit. So then I did. And yeah, I mean, it was really fun. It was, <laughs> we did have to do it a number of times. And I think the worst version was when because the, the first couple of takes they were playing the music loud in the pharmacy so we could sort of you could make noise and it sort of felt like you know everyone was in on it and it was also really hilarious and charming for the first couple of takes to the crew and then by like take five when we were the only ones who could hear the music because we were just like you know earpieces and the crew like you know just just mm. oh, so it just wasn't so um so yeah but no it was great it was a very bonding experience for Bo and I you know it really brought us together <laughs> I almost think karaoke sessions are the best bonding experiences ever throw a pe- pile of people who have to work together in a karaoke room for a couple of hours and it's just there is something about that losing your inhibitions by belting out Beyonce's crazy in love or whatever personal favorite I don't know, there's something about singing and about the, the performance element of it when it's a relationship type of thing that's really cute to watch as well. It's like the first thing that you do when, when you're kind of falling in love with someone. Like when you're a teenager, you know, you make them a, if you're my age, a mini disc. That technology that was thought would go forever, <laughs> thought really went hard in the figured out how to do the mini disc. But, you know, you make stuff for people and part of the way that we communicate with each other is like what music do you like who do you listen to all that stuff and so much of us as humans is actually hiding 
who we are and what we really like. And so when I made my mini discs, they were always full of songs I invariably didn't really like, but I thought would, you know, be impressive to, <laughs> you know, bloke number, whatever. But what's so charming, I think, in this and what's so kind of important is that it's about somebody, you know, Ryan has kind of very little, he's the opposite of Cassie, really. He's lived kind of a charmed life, so he doesn't have to feel like he has to hide himself. He doesn't, mm. he's comfortable being embarrassing. And that's so beguiling because it's so, you know, if somebody made you a, a mixtape and it was full of Paris Hilton and Britney Spears, you'd just be so thrilled. <laughs> but it wasn't, I mean, I'm trying to think of what's cool. I don't even know what's cool anymore. <laughs> someone, someone, some cool old guy. I don't know. <laughs> or someone who I think is very cool and great but like there's a certain type of person that people are like yeah love this and it's a little I'm going to teach you about music my love sit pop yourself out you're like okay yeah it's like Nick Cave versus Partisan Hill and type vibe and I could except though I would say Nick Cave is the exception that proves the rule because I am obsessed with him and I once in a shop and I wanted to say that I loved him but instead I went outside and burst into tears because I was so (laughs) so that was (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. It was really quite recent. <laughs> you, the other thing that's brilliant on the other side of the music is is how the you know Anthony's score and how that absolutely brilliantly complements all these fantastic songs and also the choice of the versions of songs as well, like the remixes or the version of Endless Love and all that kind of thing is really clever. But with Anthony, how did he come to to score the film and also what? What did you ask of him? Because they have to complement and not totally jar where the score and the cue comes in, you know, whether that's when she's smashing the windscreen or saying no to the hitman or, yeah, there's there's some really particular moments that really resonated. Well, Anthony's just amazing. And it was it's really hard trying to find someone. You know, the score is really difficult because it's so... It's so instinctive that people have a response to it and often they don't, understandably, because composers are very, you know, their times are very valuable, but people often won't tempt for you. So you have to sort of trust that they'll do the thing you want. And I think for this film, I really, really wanted almost the opposite of maybe what you'd expect with, you know, there are a lot of like synth heavy soundtracks now, which I love, but, you know, lots of things that feel sort of of this time, but really wanted an old fashioned Hitchcock theme, really. Mm or a Spielberg theme. And so that's that's what I said to Anthony and he, because he's got such a strong kind of orchestral background. And he sent me just this theme that he'd been thinking in his head, like literally just kind of put it down and sent it to me. And after that, I just couldn't really get it out of my head. And and it was so beautiful because he called it Nina's theme because he felt that 
there was always this sort of ghost under every scene. And so every single moment of the score is a variation on the theme. So when 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 Cassie's with Ryan, it tends to be kind of piano soft, and then it's very kind of sort of scratchy strings when it's in thriller mode. He's just exceptionally talented and also again I mean you know did it in like a day practically I mean poor man was I mean not literally but you know a few weeks pretty much like it's everyone just yeah it's incredible. That's amazing. But I think sometimes when people are, you know, when you're not given lengths, months and months to do things and you kind of immediately connect to something emotionally, then sometimes, you know, your best work can kind of be delivered in a very short space of time, really. I definitely think sort of smoke fills a vacuum. Uh, certainly for me, actually, weirdly, the idea of, I mean, not that anyone would necessarily offer, but the idea of making a movie for $200 million with a year to make it sort of makes my blood run cold because it's so much opportunity to step in guess yourself, so much opportunity for pontificating, yeah, changing your mind, reshooting. You know, that stuff is, it knocks the wind out of the sails. But I mean, obviously one more we had because it's just, it was so short. I mean, talk to me, talk to me in a year. I'm like, <laughs> one billion dollars, it's set underwater. <laughs> five. Oh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Because, I mean, just even just talking to you, you're just so great with words as well. And the film just looks, it looks incredible. It just looks so sexy, but it's emotional. And it just hits every beat just so brilliantly. You've, you've done an amazing job with this film. Um, before we quickly go, um, Kiri, I just wanted to mention, because we had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Steve McQueen. And we talked at length about your performance in Shame about your 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 singing performance in that and it was incredible to hear him talk about how as your director he saw you get there and how powerful and perfect it was as well do you remember much about that at all oh my gosh yeah i remember it's so scary <laughs> um scary's good sometimes though isn't it he was always good i mean promising a woman was terrifying yeah it was always going to be a single take i always knew that the camera was going to be close and I was sort of, you know, I've, I'm like a choir singer level. So it was obviously um, something to, you know, in terms of prep, that was a, you know, it was just I did singing lessons. And, and you know, I think Steve had a very clear idea of the feel of it that he wanted. But, yeah, it was sort of, I don't think there's anything quite like singing live. There's something so exposing about it. You kind of can't hide anything. 
the only other time I've ever had to do anything, I mean, I've filmed stuff before, but I did a concert for Inside Lewin Davis for the Coen brothers and, and they invited all the musicians and then me to sing songs from our film and other songs sort of, and I ended up singing a song with Gillian Welch and Leanne Giddens from Oh Brother, Where Out There. I've never been so scared in my life. And I think there's something about opening your mouth and a, and a, and a melody that is just, it's like looking straight into your soul. It freaked me out. And I think that was kind of perfect for Sissy because she is, she's laying all her cards on the table in that scene. So a clever choice of Steve. But he's just such a genius, mad genius. Start spreading the I'm leaving today Um, listen, we've run out of time. Thank you so much for, for chatting to me. It's so brilliant to get to dive into the music. And I really hope that you guys are going to work together again soon because the kind of chemistry of your creative minds is is fantastic. And um, thank you for your time, Carrie and Emerald. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. From the fantastic score to Promising Young Women, that's Blue Halo by Anthony Willis. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Emerald Fennell and Katie Mulligan. My huge thanks to Emerald and Katie for taking the time to talk music with me. Promising Young Women is available to watch on home entertainment formats now and is well worth all of the acclaim it's getting. In fact, I hope if you are listening to this after Sunday, they are the proud owners of at least one Oscar. Head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes. My website is also the place to subscribe to the podcast and you'll also find links to the Spotify playlist that I mentioned for every show in which we put the songs we feature in the order they appear so you can listen to them in full. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do keep telling everyone you know about us if you like what you hear. I also put together a regular show on YouTube and after some technical problems, the latest is out now with the fabulous Riz Ahmed and Darius Amarda and also Emile Mosseri. I've got a new episode going up next week which will feature Emerald and Katie so you can see them in all of their glory. Coming up next in the podcast, we have two composers who are very successful in their own right, but have come together to work on Francis Lee's Ammonite, which of course stars the fabulous Kate Winslet 
and one of my favourites, Saoirse Ronan. Dustin O'Halloran and Volker Bertelman are the composers behind Francis Lee's Ammonite and they are next week's guests on the podcast. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.